The Weekly Dish podcast is brought to you by Lakewinds Co-op in Minnetonka, Chanhassen, and Richfield with delivery from Instacart. There's no membership required to shop at Lakewinds. All are welcome. Check out lakewinds.com, and if you can't make it to a Lakewinds, please visit your local food co-op in the neighborhood near you. I know many of you are trying to support local Minnesota companies. I am too. And often we forget about the farmers, farmers who sell to schools, colleges, and restaurants. They're really hurting right now. So how can you help? You can seek out locally grown vegetables, meat, dairy, and eggs when you shop. Embrace what's in season throughout the summer. Food that's freshly picked is obviously more nutritious, but it's also delicious. And locally grown food has a shorter distance to travel to get to you. So it's got a smaller carbon footprint. A bunch of my friends have joined CSAs, which stands for Community Supported Agriculture, where you buy a share of what a farmer grows for the season. By purchasing a share, you help the farmer cover their operating expenses while giving you an opportunity to eat fresh, nutritious, locally grown food. And CSA aren't just for fruits and vegetables. They've got them for farm fresh eggs, meat, dairies, flowers, even baked goods. And you can also shop some of these farms direct and get things like meat shares or produce boxes. But if you're really looking for local foods, you can always, of course, find them at Lakewinds Co-op. They're stocked to the gills with Minnesota-grown foods, and if you can't make it to Lakewinds or another co-op, consider shopping at your farmer's market or any of the place where you find local produce, meats, eggs, and dairy. Lakewinds Food Co-op is in Minnetonka, Chanhassen, and Richfield, and they also deliver from Instacart. You can find them at lakewinds.com. Talk chicks and we will eat on, eat on the weekly I'm Stephanie March. I'm Stephanie Hansen. And we are just going to talk about such good, fun, delicious things for you for the next hour. So it's going to be great. Uh, guess what? It's time for Top 2 in Hour 2. Give him the old one, two. One, two, one, two. And now the Weekly Dish presents one, two, one, two. Top 2, Top 2. The Top 2. Pick your best two. In Hour 2. All right, give me two with him, with him, with him. All right, so this is the time of the show, you guys. And we talk about a couple of things that we might be obsessed about or thinking about this week and plus we do have well i might wait to the taste test until the end of the show okay because it'll be easier that way all right so do you want to go first or you want me to go first um (laughs) you go first okay so i'm going to tell you about uh a sandwich shop because you know basically i love a sandwich we all know i love you do love a sandwich and um so Nelson Deli, which is in St. Louis yeah. Park, uh, Keith Page is the guy who owns and runs the sub, and he's a competition barbecue guy with his daughter. And I've talked about them before, but they, you know, put out a bunch of stuff all day. They have rejiggered their part of their deli to become Papa Q's, which is basically a whole sandwich board. And you can walk in, you can get like a sandwich and two sides for, I don't know, like eight bucks or something like that. It's ridiculously good price. But he's doing all these like pastrami and, you know, he's doing like short rib and all these great sandwiches. And so the other day he put up a picture of a BLT and I don't order BLTs anywhere. I don't because I make them at home. And I feel like there's a lot of us who are like, I would never order one out because mine are going to be so much better. Yeah. It's kind of a weird sandwich thing that's pretty easy to make. Yeah. And so, but I mean, for me, the the other side of it is I hate flabby bacon. Like, I don't want that weird, chewy bacon thing where the you take a bite part, of the sandwich yeah. and it like, 
it pulls and it gets stringy and bizarre. That is disgusting to me. And so, like, I don't want to order a BLT and find that as your bacon. So, yes. like, unless I know it's going to be really good, crisp, thick, you know, great bacon, I'm not going to do it. But he tweeted out a picture of using these thick cut planks labs. Oh my God. So I went there right away and I got this bacon and it was a perfect BLT. Like it was, I mean, the tomatoes needed some help. I'll be honest. And that's my other sure. beef, but whatever. Um, with the, and these really thick cut charred three whole pieces of big bacon on this hoagie roll. And it occurred to me, the other thing was I don't want a square piece of bread anymore for my, <laughs> For my BLT. Right, Why like are we doing roll. that? You know how when you start to make a BLT on your normal sandwich loaf and you're trying to like crisscross it and layer it to get your maximum bacon and then when you bite it, it always kind of gets wonky anyway? We should be hot dog bunning these. We should hot dog bun or hoagie roll your BLTs from now on. They lay perfectly. Or milk toast like they make this um, the lobster rolls. Wouldn't that be good for a BLT? As long as it's... Like a yeah. cylinder, because yep. I want to lay my bacon out. I want to lay it end to end and eat it like a hot dog. Okay, that's so that's delicious. Nelson's Deli, and it's also called Papa Q's. And like I said, they do specials, so sometimes they have BLT, sometimes they don't, or whatever. But it's great. Okay, I am going to give you a forty calorie can that you can mix with anything. You can have it on its own. You can mix it with the Kettle One Grapefruit Rose. A forty calorie the- can of what? San Pellegrino Momenti Clementine and Peach. Oh, okay. So like a sparkling it's water? It's a sparkling water. It's in a tall, slim can. I don't know why it's so delicious, because it's artificially flavored for sure, but it's great. San Pellegrino might not be. It's so good. And it's like Spindrift, but it doesn't have like any color to it. It doesn't have like the actual, I mean, there's maybe fruit juice in there. I don't know yeah, what's in there. It's I just bet delicious. It is. Well, because San Pellegrino is pretty. It's good. They try to be very. And they're the tall, slim cans. It's good with vodka. It's so good it's with clementine rum. It's good with and gin. peach. It's so it's plain. an orangey, peachy. No, no, it's white. No, no, no. But like it's orangey flavored. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. And, and just effervescent and refreshing. And so you're mixing it with what? Gin, vodka, rum. Just plain mint yeah. leaves, cilantro, oh, cucumbers. Okay, just you're really, making a fruit mash. Yeah, kind of just throwing it together. That's but good. The San Pellegrino Momenti. I bought it a couple times, and Kurt was like, "Yeah, you should get more of that, that peach stuff." I'm like, "I know it was good, wasn't it?" He was like, "Yeah, I liked it." There was a there was a cocktail that was like Grey Goose and that elderflower, that Saint Germain yes. stuff that someone made me with a little fizz, and that kind of is feeling like that. Yes. I had that yesterday. Actually, I went to a friend's house and he made me gin, elderflower, St. Germain, and then um, ruby red grapefruit juice with a oh. little fizz. It was great. I forget about St. Germain because it was like such a fashionable it thing. It was like, and then the bartenders were calling it the ketchup of the spirit world. They're like, it's just sugar. You're just putting ketchup on everything. That's I'm funny. Like, oh my God. The, okay. Um, elderflower fever tree tonic is also very good. Okay. For a gin and tonic. I haven't like been that. not been drinking those kind of things. Oh, like I haven't been, been drinking those kind of cocktails, I guess. I've been drinking cocktails. Because no one's here to make them for me, and I'm so lazy. <laughs> True. <laughs> like, I drink tequila straight. Yeah. Or I, I drink whiskey straight. straight. That's like, what I like This doing. is where I'm going with all of this. Um, okay, so my second one is kind of a revelation. It's my new addiction to no-churn ice cream. Okay? Listen. Listen. This is huge because you know that I have loved my Cuisinart giant compressor ice cream maker and I have championed it for a long time. Uh Let me just tell you two things. One, she's getting old. 
She's getting loud. Can I give you mine? No, because I'm not going <laughs> to even use mine. Is my point is that my she it's so I've already broken the dial. Yeah, we and so now I have one. to use a knife in order to set the time. But it's 45 minutes in the chiller in order to get it to turn to the right consistency, right? So that's 45 minutes plus. I've been making the custard. You know, my base is very yeah. labor intensive too, and it has to chill. There's a lot of time that has to happen to make this ice cream, and. I got to be honest, I've sort of poo-pooed the no-churn stuff. I didn't really think about it. I'm going to tell you that yesterday I put together this ice cream in 15 minutes, 20 minutes. What'd you do? All right, here's how it goes. And this has been all over. Like, this is one of those zeitgeist things where I, sure. I told Megan and, and, and Joey, I was like, I'm going to make you guys some ice cream. I'm going to send it down. And yada yada, and and then and all of a sudden, then I saw Nigella doing it on Food Fifty Two, and I saw you know our whatever a couple bloggers. Anyway, here's how it is, you guys. It's a a cup and one fourth a one and one fourth cups whipped cream, chilled whipped cream. You throw that in your blender in your mixer, and then it's two thirds cup sweetened condensed milk, and then you throw that in your mixer like all together, and then uh, I I squeezed in like two tablespoons or like a couple tablespoons of that five vanilla espresso uh-huh. stuff just to a little bit of alcohol kind of thing helps to ke- get it smoother when it freezes um and i whipped it that's it so those three things you turn the whip you turn the blender or the whatever on i whipped it until there was it was thick enough like it left tracks in the bowl and then i put it into a container and i froze it that's it and then I had it this morning. It was the smoothest, creamiest, most beautiful thing. Better consistency than I have ever been able to achieve, even in my Cuisinart. Because you used the five on ice espresso flavoring. Did you use that, like, the coffee flavoring? So did it taste like coffee? It didn't, really, because I used, I used yeah. like, two teaspoons. Yep. It was really small. And actually, to be honest, I did throw Lucky Charms in there for because we have this leftover cereal. <sighs> and then I was like, oh, I'm going to make ice cream with it for the kids, right? Yeah. So I threw all the Lucky Charms in there. and But, I mean, it was... Was it is like the consistency is smooth. It was like is it like a gelato consistency? A little bit. Yeah, it is. But it is like. But I've had plenty of ice cream that I've made on my own with the with the maker that is like icy and hard to chip. This morning I it was cold and solid, but it was yeah. also smooth. It was buttery. Okay, I'm telling you this no churn thing. I might be a convert. I am gonna have to test kitchen this a couple different ways because some people say you should whip the cream and then fold in the. Condensed the milk. milk and somebody else was saying the condensed milk you should toast it a little bit on the uh, on the giving it a like you should just warm it up before you fold it in because then it gives it a different uh flavor it takes a little bit of that weird tang from condensed uh-huh. milk a little more toasty yeah it uh-huh. softens it a little bit so this is my new so next week i will report back on your no churn ice cream okay i like this idea i know good good call good call okay okay What's mine up? is just um uh, when we were talking about the van and getting it appropriated and my sister was getting ready to take it out because she's out in the van right now with um, her kids. Yeah. The Cuisinart 12-piece metallic knife set. Cuisinart 12-piece metallic knife set. These are knives that are $18.95. If you have like a person in your life that is just like a regular home cook and they don't need like fancy chef something, these are excellent knives for under $20. Okay. They have this set. You can buy it online. They also have them at Target, I think. You get six knives, and they each come with their own sheath, which I don't know why you have to have a sheath for a knife, because it's not like you... It's nice for the van, because they Uh, rattle around in the drawer, but you get, like, the butcher knife, you get a serrated knife, you get two different types of paring knives, and you get a eight-inch chef knife, 
for like regular people under 20 bucks, this is an actual really good knife set and it's very sharp and it stays sharp. We have them in the van. We bought them when we went sailing and took them. We would take them with us on sailing trips because they always have crappy knives on the boats. Yeah. They're really quite good knives. Like every time I use them, I'm like, wow, these are pretty great knives. Less than 20 bucks. Less than 20 bucks. And where are you getting them? Uh, You can get them online. You can get them at Target. They're just. They're at Target. They're multicolored. So they're kind of fun to cook with. That's awesome. Okay, I love we it. Put a link on the Facebook page, but for less than twenty bucks, if you're sending a kid off to college or you've got a young person at home that's just starting to get into it, yeah, start them off with these. I love it. Good. All right, those are your recs. Those are your top twos in hour two. You guys, we're going to be right back talking with Hanson about what she has been cooking this week. So we'll be right back. This is the weekly dish on my talk one zero seven one. Hey everybody, it's Steph March for Common Ground, Minnesota. You know what? Food brings out the passion in people. And people love to talk about food. And so why wouldn't we talk about the people and to the people who are growing our food? We have an opportunity, you guys. Common Ground, Minnesota on Facebook is a place where women farmers are able to answer your questions about the food scene and the way that they grow food. They are ready to engage. They just want to talk about how they grow food, what they think about why they grow food, and all the things that have to do with the way that your family is eating local foods and what they're growing. Remember that you always have an opportunity to check in and chat with farmers in Minnesota at Common Ground Minnesota. It's right on Facebook. It's on Instagram. You can check them out on Common Ground, M-I-N-N. They're ready to answer any and all of your questions. Hello, everybody. I'm Stephanie Hansen with Stephanie March, and we're back. And this is the Weekly Dish, and it's on My Talk 1071, the best place ever. And we are uh, talking to each other, talking to you, looking at each other behind a plexiglass screen of funness. But um, this is going to be the What Stephanie Cooked This Week segment. And I just want to tell you it was a lot. It was a lot. It was a lot. Um, if you, it's kind of based in gardening. So, first of all, I had a really awesome Asian pulled pork last night. I went to a friend's patio. My stepmom's in town for her birthday. And we sat outside and the friend made this Asian pulled pork. I don't, I guess Asian, like, I don't know, I know why I'm, it's called Asian. I know, mean. cringy. I get it. It had <laughs> soy sauce. Cringy. It had hoisin. It had uh, Chinese five spice. It had ginger and it had garlic. Great. And it made a delicious pulled pork sandwich that was different than barbecue. So did they They just pull the pork and then they toss it in the spices yep. kind of thing? Okay, yeah. In, a, in this sauce. Sure. Yeah, so it's delicious. So we're going to post that recipe because I love pulled pork. Yeah. But sometimes barbecued pulled pork, by the end of the summer, I'm just like, Oh, I don't even, it. I'm not even doing any barbecue sauce. Yeah, um, so it was delicious. Yeah. Okay, so barbecue pulled pork. Then um, ratatouille. Ellie, my daughter, loves ratatouille. Yeah. And my garden is starting to produce things, but it's not producing things in the quantity that I can have like stewed tomatoes yet. Or I had like, a, I had a tomato, I had two zucchini, one yellow squash, and someone had an eggplant in the refrigerator that was going bad. So I made ratatouille. <coughs> my daughter loves ratatouille. What I do when I make ratatouille is different, I think, than when other people, because I make like caramelized onions and garlic and some stewed tomatoes as a base. Yeah. Put that in a pie pan and then I layer the vegetables around in a concentric circle and then I throw more herbs on top and some Parmesan cheese and then I bake it for like 40 minutes. Okay. So it's kind of like a vegetable melange. I was going to say, so this feels like a bake. And it's, <laughs> it, it is kind of like a gratin, maybe, but not on a pastry. So is it a ratatouille? I mean, like, I yes. would love to know, in fact, uh, like what a ratatouille, like the definition, like what makes it ratatouille? Is it just the eggplant or is it, 
Is it, you know what I mean? Like It is the eggplant is what, and, and there's another way you can do ratatouille too, which I've also done where I will grill the slices of eggplant. I will grill ribbons of zucchini. I will grill all the stuff, including onions. And then I'll put the plum tomatoes, I'll cut them in half and then grill the tops. And then I put all of that into a bowl and finally like chop it. So it's almost like a chopped grilled salad, but it's like small minced because it's all these vegetables are juicy. So that is, is it also like a mush though. Is what I'm getting at. It's not this? necessarily mush because I. Oh, so you're it. grilling. You're, you're like it's the. Okay. I grilled it all, yeah. and then I like put it on a big um, cutting board and just chop, 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 chop. Have you ever done the ratatouille from Ratatouille? It is the, the that's what the original one that I talked about with the. Yeah. Okay, I missed that. I wasn't getting that you had like cut them into these little I small did. rinds and then make them into these little like yep. this like coil. Because that was a Thomas Keller sort of yes, you know, iteration that he did that they made for the show. There's another though ratatouille. I'm gonna just throw stuff. In yeah, picture that's. Of the I guess I that's made. what I was thinking that you were saying. There's another ratatouille though that is more stewed, and this is the Martha Stewart ratatouille where you don't grill the vegetables and you don't. You you basically stew them in like a pot. Yeah. So let I me tell you that I have no ratatouille history because I don't love eggplant and I don't love peppers. Like I don't usually put peppers in my. Ratatouille. I feel like all of the ratatouilles I've had had too much pepper. Yeah, and you don't need to put that in. Yeah, but you I can don't just love, do caramelized onions and stewed tomatoes like, as the base. Eggplant and, is not like the thing that I crave yeah, ever. I don't like eggplant a ton, but I like it enough in a ratatouille. Because yeah. it softens and... And I will tell you that no one has made me a ratatouille that is amazing that would turn my head. And I bet if I did, if I had one that was amazing, it would turn me into... I would probably like it. Like, you know. I have a picture of it on my Instagram. Yeah. And it looks like the edge of it is burned, but it's not. That was the pan that it was in. But in any case, the other way to... So you, you serve this once. Yeah. Then the next day you have leftovers, right? So you either eat that with eggs, which is amazing, or you just throw it all on pasta and you have another meal. All right. So it's a two meal, two for two for. Uh, okay, so I made that. The other thing I have made is zucchini ribbon salad. Have you made this? Yeah, we talked about it last week. Okay, good because I forgot that we talked about it. So yeah, because Kurt was like, "Wait, can we have this all the yes, time?" Yes, that's right. See? Which is amazing because that what used to be my entertaining uh, panic dish when I realized that I didn't have any that I needed one more thing for the table. I would just whip a bunch of zucchini through the mandolin and then olive oil, goat cheese. Salt, pepper, thyme. Yeah, that, that is a it. great dish. I mm-hmm. do parm, but uh, to each your own. Okay, so this is leading me all to tomatoes. Okay. The garden at Hilltop has a lot of tomatoes. One is orange. One is starting to get, they're starting to get a little color, but the days up there are getting shorter. Yeah, and you're... it has been chilly, so I'm panicking again, like I yeah. panicked last year because yeah. I had an entire field of green tomatoes that never ripened. And by the way, I will take all your green tomatoes and fry them up. Okay, because I made green tomato salsa. Like I made yeah. some salsa. No, I would rather have I would rather have like green tomato steaks and you know batter them and fry those babies and eat them like chips. Okay, like with a buttermilk dressing. Yeah. One of the things that I love to make this time of year, and I haven't made it this last two years because I haven't had tomatoes, is tomato pie. Right. There's a lot of feels about tomato pie. There's okay? a lot of feels. When you say tomato pie, it also is different in so many different pe- people's minds. Yes, it is. So there is we the... We could have a whole segment on tomato pie. I think that's what is we're that doing. Is that what we're doing now? Kind okay. of. Okay. So I have three recipes for tomato pie. Okay. One is basically you make a pie crust. You put Dijon mustard on the bottom. You layer your tomatoes in there. 
Then you hit it with thyme, salt, pepper. You throw some Gruyere cheese on there and you bake all that and it becomes like an, uh, the tomatoes release their juices. They meld with the cheese. The mustard gives it a great flavor. That's one tomato pie. Okay. Tomato pie number two. Okay. You make it on a tart crust. You don't actually make pie crust. So Wait a you, minute. Different between what you're saying? Because the first one you did say there was a crust, right? Pie crust. Pie crust. It is literally like a pie. Like a pastry pie. Yeah. Okay. An untopped pie. And then this second one, second one. is pastry crust. Okay. So tart you either crust. make a tart oh. or you can use puff pastry. Okay. And you're going to have this flat base. Again, you're going to put your mustard down. You're going to accordion style your tomatoes, as it were. Okay. You're going to do a little Parmesan cheese, little herbs. It's a little more refined. It's not so homey because the tomato pie that you bake in the pie crust, that is like a messy pie when you cut it, right? This is more like you're going to... Like almost like a... Cut it into like a refined square. Sure. The third thing, and this is for those of you at home that you don't do pastry, and it's super easy. You take a Pillsbury biscuits and you make the dough out of the base out of that. So you cut the biscuits in a little and you push them into the pie pan. Okay. And then you put your tomatoes in there and you put your cheese and you top it with like ricotta or mayonnaise. I have a whole recipe here, but it's a lot more free form and rustic kind of based on what you have in the house. Yeah. And you're using this biscuit crust as the base. Okay. So three versions of the very delicious tomato (laughs) pie. The tomato pie. So this is so for you and the presentation of this is all about the crust, right? Yes. The different. It's a, it's the same thing with different forms of yes. crusting. Whereas for me, I feel like the tomato pie thing gets to a different place when people are putting it into custards or almost making it like there's something. The tomatoes are on top of something, and that's a different thing that we'll have to talk about another time. Huh? I never even heard of that. Yeah, okay. somebody was talking about it, so we'll talk about it another time. All right, we'll Bye. be right back. Everybody, welcome back to Weekly Dish. Hey, you know what, you guys? I know that we talk about food and we talk about, you know, all the crazy good stuff we want to eat all the time. Um, But I want to kind of take it down for a moment because we always seem to talk about uh, when we're talking about food shelves and we're talking about donating and doing everything we can and helping people. I I, kind of want to recenter some stuff just to let you guys know that we understand that there are people who are very pinched, you know, with their budgets and that, you know, especially with the $600, you know, incentive going away from the unemployment, there are people who are unemployed and maybe they just need a little help. And so I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about what it means to actually get food from a food shelf and to kind of maybe take some stuff and dispel some fears or myths. Take the stigma out of it. Yeah, I just really wanted to talk about it because we do, we always talk about loaves and fishes and we talk about second harvest and we always talk, and we are so grateful that our Weekly Dish community is so good about donating and and helping and pushing forward. But I want to encourage you guys to think a little bit about maybe sharing information of those resources with people who you may not even know are, you know, becoming, you know, food insecure. And when we talk about food insecure, what we mean is just that, you know, people have to make choices on budgets and they may be looking at the school year coming up and figuring out, I may have to quit my job in order to homeschool my kid to keep them safe. Or I may have to, there's a lot of choices that are happening in the, in our country right now based on health and mental wellness and all this kind of stuff. And it's pinching a lot of people's budgets. And so and a lot of people have had pay cuts and a lot of pay cuts and they're not 
it's not like everything just started getting better, quite honestly. No, a lot of people have taken like anywhere from, I've heard, 15 to 25% pay cuts. And food has gotten more expensive. Uh, and there's a there's a study that just came out that talked about how uh, there's a lot. It's a lot more expensive. We're going to have food inflation. There's a lot of food inflation on the way, and that's what I wanted to make sure that you understand. That while we are so excited about our tomato pies and everything else, we also are very aware that there that the basic idea of feeding ourselves is something that we really want to support. Even the basic idea of feeding ourselves, and so I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about it. Is that I mean, like just to understand that, like I, it's a there's a there could be a place. I I fully recognize there could be a place in my life where where things go, a couple decisions get made, and I find myself unable to bring all the food in that I would want to bring in to feed my family. And so let's talk about what that means. And well, yeah, what would you do? So the first thing I want to say, the easiest thing when we talk about loaves and fishes, um, that loaves and fishes is a place where Kathy Mays has been on the radio show before. And what this is, is, is understanding that there are seven county metro area. They cover that. And they have dining sites. And so normally it's been a case where you would go in and you would, you know, sit at a, and they would serve you dinner. Or you would get dinner and they have that's it's the doors are 100 percent open and there is no judgment or no application process, whatever. You just go, you eat and then and you bring your family or whatever. And that's it. Um, obviously, because of the way things are right now, they are doing take home like you can go and you can pick up three different boxes of meals or whatever. But to be honest, just so you understand, this is at places like Mount Olivet Lutheran Church on Tuesdays and Thursdays, the New Bethel Baptist Church, Monday through Fridays, is the Blaisdell YMCA, Monday through Friday lunch. Um, you know, all of these things in St. Paul, they're doing the Midway YMCA. They're doing, you know, St. Paul Eastside. There's Andover. There's Bloomington, Burnsville. All of these places are just they're just open. So if you feel like maybe even there's like a day a week that you need some help in order to like buffet, you know, buffer the, the coffers, that's a place to stop in and just go ahead and get a meal. That's it. You and your kids or whatever you want to do, however you need it. Um, but I did want to talk about food shelves because sometimes I know a lot of people are, they want to cook themselves. They want to have, they want to like get the food and then figure out how it works out best for their family. And there's a list of food shelves in Minneapolis and there are different ways. I know some people think I can't go to a food shelf because I, I don't, I'm not on like benefits. I'm not on snap benefits or they think I have to apply and I don't really want to go through that. I don't really need that. I just need a little bit, a little bit. Right. (laughs) And what I want to encourage you guys to know is that yes, there are places that have some restrictions and sometimes you will have to show an ID but that is not, um, they're not recording and they're not, you know, they're not selling your information or anything else. And also there's no shame in like registering with a food shelf. You know, there's no, like, they're not, they're not out there telling your neighbors or anything else. So, um, there's a couple places though, that are also, you know, there are places that are neighborhood specific. When I think about prism, I don't know if you know about prism, which is sort of in the golden Valley area, but you know, it's basically for individuals or families experiencing short-term or long-term financial crisis, and they have both a food shelf and they have like a school supply drive. If that's a daunting thing to you, I don't know how I'm going to buy, you know, uh, school supplies for my kids when I can barely get food on the table, then think about, you know, kind of getting in touch with them. Um, and they serve, they basically want to keep their area pretty tight. They're one of the, you know, in the area, they're Golden Valley, New Hope, Robbinsdale, Crystal, and Plymouth. Um, But they definitely, if you are looking, if you're not in that area, but you need their help, they will help you find someone in your area. 
Um, and and they're basically, you know, they're open every day and they're, there's no appointment necessary. So you can just show up if you need to. So that's important to know about them. I think, too, the Minneapolis and the St. Paul schools are both doing a tremendous job of connecting families with resources for kids for lunch. Definitely. Definitely. And that is a huge thing, I think. And all you need to do is call your school or go to your school's website. They have mm-hmm. great resources there. 100 um, percent. There's and then the Minneapolis food shelves. There's many of them. And that's the thing that I mean, we talk about Second Harvest Heartland and we talk about, you know, loaves and fishes and Second Harvest Heartland definitely funnels their food into these places. But there's regional places, you know, like uh, Calvary Lutheran Church. You a know, lot of Chicago. churches have food shelves. So many great churches. There's the 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 Copy Food Shelf, you know, Brooklyn Boulevard. Um, you know, the Brian Coyle Community Center has a food shelf. So here's what I want you to know. I'm going to actually put a link up to this site to the food shelves because what they have there is they have the food shelf name, they have the address, they have hours of operation, contact information, their website, but they also have eligibility criteria. And I think that's something that a lot of people stick with and they kind of feel like they they don't know what to do. So for instance, the Brian Coyle uh, community food shelf uh, on 15th Avenue South in South Minneapolis, you know, they say new clients must bring an ID for themselves and their family members and complete a brief registration process. And that is just so that they can track how many donations they're giving and who's coming in and so that they kind of have that. Um, And then there's places like, uh, you know, walk-ins are available at the Community Bridge Food Pantry on Park Avenue. Um, But you can also sign up for deliveries. So that can be a system that shows up right at your door with fresh food if you need it. Um, And then there are places like uh, Food in the Hood, you know, which is like they primarily serve clients within 200% of federal poverty guidelines so they want to make sure there's some places that are serving only the most you know the most in need and so you do kind of have to sign up for those kind of things if you so just being aware of who has what where you go um and some of them are like you have to be a resident of some places they want to make sure like your address is within their zone so that because they're getting federal aid for certain areas you know where do you think the best place to start is do you think it's to call your city do you think it's to call your church or a church? Doesn't it have to be your church? Um, I think that there is uh, there's a site that I'm gonna find where it is. There's there's a couple different sites. There's something called foodpantries.org. In, and it's basically the Minnesota food pantries. And it kind of shows you the cities in Minnesota. Like I can click into, let's say, uh, even Buffalo and know that there are two food pantries. Um, the Buffalo Food Shelf, uh, you know, and it has the website and the full address and it gives you the hours and the, and and kind of gives you also nearby area listings. So there's the Riverworks Community Development Food Shelf and it talks about their hours and then Monticello. And so I would do that. And so maybe we'll put that up. Foodpantry.org. Foodpantries.org. And multiple pantries. Yeah, not just multiple one. pantries. And I think that's the best way because. You do want to so kind of it is kind of in your neighborhood, you know, something that's easy for you to to kind of go to. But I would just say that remember, like, you know, to always continue to donate to those kind of places, too, that are in your neighborhood, even if you're in the suburbs. I know that there's a lot of need in the city, too, but there's a lot of people who are going hungry and are looking at the school year and they're worried. And I and I I want to say I don't want to forget us to support our rural areas. They're just as hard hit as as you know the the economy is not great anywhere. Mm-hmm. So just remembering that as and that goes. Food insecurity. You know, maybe we'll do a segment. Um, I always I always kind of liked when 
I, I mean, I've had times in my life where we haven't been very flush with cash. And it was always sort of a game to figure out what we could make with the cheapest ingredients. So maybe we'll do some cheap eats segments. Yeah, I mean, that was, we did too. There was a time where my mom was unemployed and we were, you know, it was just the three of us, three girls in a house and we had to figure it out. And it was, you Probably know, where my love of eggs started. Yeah, me too. And tuna, canned tuna, tuna. man. I tell you what, <laughs> that stuff was amazing. My it's daughter a full just dinner. Made the best tuna pasta salad. And yeah. I was like, God, I haven't had this in so long. She goes, because you're not poor. <laughs> well, the student days, right? I would make a meal yeah. out of a mashed potato, add one potato, man. Man, I could top that sucker with the cheapest salsa. And, yep. you know, like I would go to the farmer's market and get a couple like peppers. And then I would just have the, I had butter, cheese, pepper, potatoes. Peppers, you don't like peppers. No, 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 like jalapenos. Jalapenos, I like the hot stuff, come on. All right. So anyway, that's how we wanted to make sure that we, we just wanted to make sure that we were touching the right kind of bases and really hitting people, you know, if you, if you guys needed it. So there it is. And also feel free to always send us a note and especially if you, you. yeah, I'm happy to help put you guys into a right space and guide you with whatever knowledge I have to get you into the right space. So there you go. All right. This is Weekly Dish. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us today. If you missed any part of this amazingly sparkling show, I like to say that we're sparkling. Yes. Um, you can, of course, download us on the podcast anytime. Quick clarification, too. There's the show page, which is on the My Talk 1071 Weekly Dish tab. Yep. And we put links to things there. Yep. But to be honest, the Facebook linking is way quicker and easier to do. And Steph and I are also adding to that throughout the week. So if you don't follow the Weekly Dish on Facebook, you should. Yeah. And there are all the links there, too. And yeah. if you ever can't find anything, just send it to us. I also want to mention that the... From what I have understood, the app, the MyTalk 1071 app, has had trouble uploading the Weekly Dish program the oh, last right. couple of weeks. Hope you got yes, something. Yes, but you can go to other platforms like your podcast app, um, PodMN, Podcast oh, yeah. One. So if you can't get it specifically on the MyTalk app and you really want to tune into the Weekly Dish Which podcast. Which we hope you do. Yeah. Yes, just go to a different podcast um, You can app. Google Weekly Dish, too, mm-hmm. and... The episodes will pull up. That's true. Google it's is on Google too. Yeah, they're doing that. Yeah, so it's, there's some delay with our um, web update, and they are aware and they yes. are trying to fix it. But I believe it is not fixed yet. Okay. All right. First, we're going to do a quick tip <laughs> challenge before we get to some of the news that's happening around town. We've got some. We've got some Lay's flavors that have come out. They're calling them iconic flavors. I don't know how I agree. Are you going to tell me what they are? Am yeah, I supposed I'm, to close my eyes? I feel. I don't know. How do we do this best? I feel Here, like I'm let's always see the if one I can, who. This is a blue bag. This is a blue bag. Chips. You start with this one. What does it taste like to you? Mm. It's a little bit. I'm going to give you a clue. It has to me. It tasted nothing like what it's supposed to be. <laughs> by the way, it's pretty good though. What is it? Does it taste like pizza? Does it taste like like tomatoey? Okay, it's not. It's tacos. It's supposed to be carnitas. Oh, so it's supposed to taste like pork. Yeah, but they were good. Yeah. Okay. Okay. This bag is a green bag. Okay. She's got. The green bag now. And we're talking and about... And it's also a wavy lay. Is it wavy? N- nope, it's not wavy. Okay. That was the only Fine. wavy. Mm. I'll do this one last. This one is sort of... I don't know. I feel like this one is sort of a phone it in. Yeah, quite honest. it's just like sour cream and onion. It's pizza. It's New York pizza. Why? Like, if you're just... Oh, so it's just oregano It's flavored. just pizza, but right? But it looks like a tomatoey chip. Okay, this one is... This one is actually my favorite. This one is a orange bag. And it's in a kind of orange bag, so yeah. I suspect it's going to be something cheese. You kind of feel that, right? Okay. Okay. Got a weird kind of. It's got a weird smell. Tiny smell. Yeah. <laughs> what do you Not think? Not ruffled. Plain. Nope. Nope. 
You getting anything on that one? That one is supposed to be a... Like dessert. Oh, oh. dang. <laughs> dang. It's what? like apple or something. It's Philly cheesesteak. <laughs> That's your favorite? <laughs> of all of these, I don't like any of them. Here's a... It, by the way. Okay, that one was just nasty. That Whoa. one is weird. Okay, but you do get... It's for like me, I got like an sauce. onion. But I got like an onion from it and a cheese part. So that was okay. Okay, last one. It tasted like gross cheese sauce. Okay, this one is a red package. So what do you think? By the way, this was supposed to be for Gino's steaks. I think I think that's an insult to Gino's because mm. I've had Gino's and I love Gino's. That's just a co-branded opportunity. This is a flat chip. Yeah. Did you try it? Put it in your face. Mm. What do you feel? Um, spicy. It's spicy because it's in a red bag. <laughs> Real spicy. Yeah. Like Carolina Reaper. Uh, Nashville hot chicken. I think I think they're running Whoa. out. I think Lay's is running out of ideas. Because there's no chicken in that at all. There's no chicken, so it's just a hot chip. So fine. Which is hot chips are great. But then I think you're just going wrong by put trying to put these iconic like things on them. Okay, so if we were gonna recap, yeah, what do you I feel? would say the pizza one was the best. Pizza one was the best. You can just set it down. Seriously. Yeah, because if I just set them down, I'll eat them. So. Oh, you will. Love- <laughs> that is a problem. I do love flavor challenges. Here's the thing. I And fun. I test kitchen. The reason these are all open, I test kitchen them with the boys, what the, the, the lads. Like? None of them liked any of them. Oh. Like, And that's your demographic, my friends. Well, I don't know. Maybe we're the demographic. I mean, how do you not like a flavored chip if you're going to be a teenager? They didn't. But I mean, look at how I had. I know they didn't eat. Them. I had 12 <laughs> teens over the course of two days. This is a point that there's all of this is left. Um, they did house the salt and vinegar ones, but that's just. Classic. Oh, those are the best. We chips put those on our world. hot dogs. We don't. We never. If we buy chips, that's all we buy. Yeah. A salt and vinegar chip. My we daughter. Like, we do like, like an a salt orange and vinegar chip as a small child. Sour cream and cheddar. You know, like those, the orangey ones? I do love those. You like cheese fingers. I do like cheese fingers. You like to lick the powdery cheese I don't, but I just like cheese all the time. Um, Let's talk about some of the news that's happened this week. A lot of news, like restaurant news popped this week. It was crazy. Because here's the deal. Uh, Yi Vang found a spot for his restaurant, Vinai, um, which he, of course, revealed first on the Weekly Dish. Do you remember that? We got the total scoop. So he now has a spot. In Northeast, it's this great little uh, place that's just by Centiers, a little uh, five blocks north of Young Joni. And he's bringing on Marshall Paulson. Yeah. I think of Bridgewood to help with operations, which means they're going to have a really great structured employee program and everything like that. Yeah. And I believe they'll have a big outdoor patio. They'll do grilling events outside. It'll yeah. be a really fun it's, spot. They're going to be great. Uh, the one I'm most excited is Vivir. I'm most excited that the Popovo kids have are, you know, they're taking that down. They're turning it into a little bit more casual spot and they are doing this bakery cafe and deli. And I'm excited by mm-hmm. it. Like I am loving some idea of getting, well, hello, fresh churros. Thank you. I will be there for that. You know, and the, the semitas, the, the breads and all of this kind of stuff. I'm very excited. And then also being able to kind of pop in and get tamales and empanadas and all that kind of stuff too. Yeah. So in Northeast and like big things of salsa. Great. Um, And then, of course, Justin Sutherland said that Pearl and the Thief is coming back to pop up in the Octofish Bar space for the next couple of months at the end of August. It's pretty great. I feel like that's really great. And I'm sad because I don't know that I'll eat there because I won't go inside. Oh, right. Although it's a huge... I mean, if you think about that space... I know they have huge ceilings. It's really high ceiling place. They're only going to seat 30 people. 
And it's a two-hour dinner. That's it. Yeah, check back in with me. I know. We'll see. We'll see. Um, And then Gandhi Mahal, I wanted to shout out that uh, Ruel Islam has announced that he is taking over the old chef shack space on Franklin so that he can start cooking again, but that he still wants to rebuild. Listen, you guys, I'm going to put a link up to the story that this little uh, online story, I don't know who they are, but it's an on, it's a website. They had a huge chat with him and it is his idea when he rebuilds is not just rebuilding a restaurant. He wants to rebuild an entire like community of living spaces. And you know he was doing aquaculture in his basement. Mm-hmm. And he wants to bring that out and make, you know, a place where people can live and eat and farm and, and create a sustainable system. He's got big ideas, and I'm telling you, this guy can do it. It sounds like a commune. And it I'm kind of is, it. right? It kind of commune. is. And I'm telling you, because, of course, he's had such exposure. Because, of course, you know, he got he kind of went viral with the mm-hmm. whole statement of let it burn during the riots. Um, he he's he's got backing is oh, what I'm going to tell you him. is that I feel like he's got some serious, you know, good backing from good people who want to see his dreams become a reality. Well, and it would be it would be awesome if some of the local investors in town that invested in a lot of restaurants could invest in some um people of color restaurants. Right. Well, It'd I mean, awesome. and just some, you know, some people who are doing pioneering things that are, you know, not just opening fine dining restaurants with exposed Edison light bulbs mm-hmm. everywhere and <laughs> freaking whatever. Uh, couple, no judgment there. No judgment sorry, there. Edison exposed sorry, light bulbs. Sorry, sorry about it. Um, a couple other things I wanted to let you know uh, is that Hewing Hotel rooftop is open. Yep. Again. And so you want to know about that. Like we said, Monte Carlo is open on the 11th. Zenbox has their patio open. I'm nice. going to go get some ramen and the katsu chicken sando. And Hell's Kitchen is doing curbside. Finally, after five months. I would get some Manoman porridge right now. They have a Manoman porridge kit that you're going to be able to get and then make it at home. Fantastic. So we're there. All right, gang. Thanks for hanging out. Today was a fun one. Ciao, ciao. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.